You're listening to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast of its kind for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into consciousness, leadership, and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. This year, Thrive is brought to you by E2M Solutions, a trusted white label partner to hundreds of digital agencies across the globe. Visit e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive today. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive. I'm so glad you're here. Every agency owner has probably asked themselves the question, why did I actually go into business for myself? I know I did when I was an agency owner. And the answer often has to do with being in control. But as much as we'd really, really like to, we can't control external circumstances. What we can do is pursue personal development strategies that set us up for success. So today I'm joined by Jeffrey Shaw, a TEDx speaker and author of The Self-Employed Life. If you don't have a copy of that, please go and pick one up. He's also host of the Synonymous podcast. Jeffrey's an expert on creating the environment and the mindset that's needed to get the business results that we want. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited to chat with you. Hey, Kelly, I'm excited as well. This is going to be fun. Yes, it is. (laughs) Based on (laughs) our conversation prior to hitting the record button, I know this is going to be fun. So let's talk a little bit about the personal development work. We share that obviously in common in terms of the work that we do, but how does personal development work increase capacity? Let's start there. Yeah, I just refused to be, because believe me, I've got a lot of strategies and how, you know, things I can suggest to people that they can do more work. Plenty of those. After 40 years of being self-employed, I've developed and trained a lot of strategies, but I refuse to be yet another person of the world giving business owners more things to do without first also helping them increase their capacity so that their hard work pays off. I think it's one of the core problems of business ownership is how often people are just adding more to the to-do list, adding more to their skill set, adding more to the, the number of hats they're wearing, adding more people to their team, but no one is pausing long enough to develop, do the personal work to increase their capacity, which is why it often just feels like, you know, if you wonder why you feel like a hamster running on a wheel, it's because you're overstuffing the sack. It's like you're just putting more into a fixed limit of your current development. A quote I use in, in the book over and over again is that your level of success is directly proportionate to your level of personal development. I don't believe you can actually be more successful and happy. You might be able to crank out a lot of success, but I don't believe you could be more s- successful and happy than your current level of personal development. So the way to grow your business, grow yourself first. I love that. And amen. (laughs) (laughs) Already on a soapbox. How do you define happy? Mm. Who me personally, because that's, that's a very, you know, I think that's a very independent question. So for me, happy, and which by the way, you know, I'm one of those people that I find the majority of my happiness, joy and validation through my business. Like one of my coaching clients has a, I've helped her develop a fantastic brand message called work wellness. And what I love about the message of work wellness. And as I had said to her, as we were developing this brand message is that, you know what, we live in a world where there's so much focus on self care as there should be, but there's, there's almost so much so that there's become a guilt about loving your work. Mm. And a lot of us get our wellness from our work. I, I think my entire, I've had therapists tell me that I've, I've validated who I am through my work because I didn't get that validation as a youth. 
You know, that's your area of specialty. Come on, childhood trauma. You know, I got no validation as a child. So I found something I was good at uh, initially as a photographer, and that's where I got my validation. So I think it's important to how you describe happiness. For me, a great deal of my happiness does come from my work. And for me, the number one thing that I gain in happiness from from particularly being self-employed is the freedom to choose whatever I want. You know, you talk about freedom and the freedom comes in all different forms. What I have loved the most about being a business owner is how many times I've been able to move because I have the freedom to do so. Mm. You know, I mean, any... Yeah, just move. Look, I have moved from, you know, Connecticut to, to Manhattan to Miami, now Jacksonville, Florida. And they've all been pretty quick, sudden moves because I just woke up one day as like, hey, I want something different in my life. I can do that. Like, right. I, I moved from 15 years or so living in condos between New York and Miami. I just kind of woke up one day and said, gosh, I really miss having a home. I think I want an antique home. <laughs> I'll move to Jacksonville's historic district and buy an antique home where I can garden. And within Literally, with it, I mean, I sold the condo in two days and moved within a month. That's my happiness. The happiness to be able to to move that quickly in, in all the different forms, that's what brings me happiness. But I think it's a very personal question. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it was a little bit of a curveball. <laughs> Funny because <laughs> um, some people rail against the term happiness. They think of it more like fulfillment or joy or, you know, there's lots of different conversations that we've had on the show, but I'm always curious how people, that's just like a little curiosity that I have always about how people define happiness. But I want to go back to two things that you said. The first one is freedom. I think that there are a lot of business owners, agency owners in particular, who are like, yeah, I went from practitioner to business owner for that freedom. I mean, maybe part of it was control, but ultimately the goal was freedom. And then they are working in the business, working on the business and realizing I actually don't have a lot of freedom. So one of the core tenants that you have is stop working on your business and spend more time doing what you're great at. So Mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about that? Because I like your delineation between skill set versus passion. Yeah. So what happens, and you you laid it out beautifully as far as, you know, and it's really why I wrote my book, The Self-Employed Life, because I, for decades, I've asked people, self-employed business owners, and I'm like, you know, why did you become self-employed? And everyone had the same answer. And the answer was, oh, I wanted to control my destiny. I wanted freedom. I'm like, yeah, how's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know the reality of how it's going because I've lived it. I, and by the way, I've never had a traditional job. I've been self-employed my entire life. I've never received a paycheck from anybody. So it's been my life all along. It's like, yeah, how's that going for you? And everybody laughs because it's the myth of self-employment is that you're going to have all this freedom. And the corporate folks who have been leaving their corporate jobs and droves for the last couple of years are the perfect example, right? They leave this, this what they think is a stifling uh, situation they're in. Uh, they're in a box and they leave and they end up recreating the very same box and they don't feel that sense of freedom. And here's why. What happens is that almost any business without it being pointed out to them, I can, I've been studying businesses for years and I can look at almost any business and I'll bet your agency owners will see this being true, that I call it the rule of thirds. Business owners spend one-third of their time running the business, dealing with the stuff, one-third of their time getting business, Mm -hmm. and actually only one-third doing what they went into business to do in the first place, particularly creatives. And I know that because my original career, as I refer to it, was as a portrait photographer for very affluent families. 
I still do just a few sessions a year, but for 25 years, that was all I did. And over the past 15 years, I've been you know, sliding into doing more coaching. So I know creative business and you, you know, you go into a creative business because you're so excited about your skill set and your talent and you want to make money in a business on your talent. Next thing you know, it's what you spend the least amount of time doing. And we've heard this advice coming from the book, The E-Myth for decades now, which was good advice at the time. Work on your business more than in it. It was great advice to get people out of the minutia of yeah. their business. It just doesn't fit as well today because the better advice today is stop working so much on your business, spend more time doing what you're great at, right? So what can you do to take that rule of thirds and slide the margins, spend less time running the business, spend less time marketing to get the business, more time doing what you're great at. And the, the way you achieve those goals is one, systematizing, delegating, and client acquisition. And what's always interesting to me is I have business owners come to me for coaching or to join my self-employed business institute, and they'll, they'll literally say to me, the last thing I need is more work. And I'll bet you have agency owners that are thinking that right now. The last thing I need is more work. It's like, it may seem that way because you are at full capacity. It may seem that way because you're stressed out. But actually, what can you shift away that one-third margins and actually welcome in more of what you're great at? What if you could spend all your time doing what you're great at? What would be the benefits of that? One, joy and happiness, Right. <laughs> Because this is what takes away people's joy and happiness is they don't get to spend as much time doing what they're great at. Exponential growth. Nothing grows a business faster than doing more of what you're great at to the people that you should be working with. Because it's almost guaranteed, if you are able to perform at your best to your ideal clients, you're almost guaranteed of repeat business. You're almost guaranteed of referrals. What does that do? That actually minimizes the amount of time you need to spend marketing, which is how you're shifting those margins. If 60 to 70% of your business is repeat, 20% is referral, you have very little need to market. So to me, the answer to you know shifting those margins of the one-third and getting the business you want and the happiness that you want, stop working on your business so much and just start focusing on how can I do more of what I'm great at? Give me time, give me clients. Yeah. And I just want to underscore that we're not talking about what I've heard other people say, which is spend more time on the things that you're passionate about, the things that you love. Yes. Those yep. are hobbies. Yes. Right. If you oh, love- there's a lot of things. I'm a passionate gardener. It doesn't make right. me a dime. Right. right. <laughs> so I'm, that's why I'm very. Yeah. I love that you said, um, thank you for clarifying that because it's really, I, I chose my words so carefully when I said, do more of what you're great at because everybody else is saying, do more of what you love. I'm like, okay, that's just way too mushy and woo woo for me. And it's not actually going to move anybody's life forward. Right. I mean, do what you love on your, on the side and make yourself, if that brings you joy. But again, I look at the people in my world and my next book, by the way, is about self doubt. And it is specifically self doubt that's encountered by high achievers. Okay. Mm. So I look at, high achievers as my, you know, my people. And most high achievers get a great deal of their validation, happiness, and joy from their work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do more of what you're great at. It will bring you more satisfaction. The passion projects on the side will, you'll have fun with and you'll be happy, but they're probably not things that are going to make your lifestyle what you want it to be. Right. May make your lifestyle what you want it to be, but is not going to increase Correct. your bank account. <laughs> Thank you for quality. Yes. Correct. Yep. <laughs> hey, let's take a quick break. Did you know that there's a better way to scale your agency? Whether it's web design, development, e-commerce, content, SEO, or even hosting. 
E2M is the reliable white label partner you wish you knew about years ago. Personally, I'm proud to partner with E2M because of our alignment in values and ethics. Head over to e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Now, let's get back to the show. So let's kind of revert a little bit back to the personal development work. I'm always going to do that as everyone yep. listening and watching knows. They're used to it by now. The first third of the self-employed life is really all focused on personal development for business owners. So can you talk a little bit more about what you call the deserving ceiling? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I was writing the book, what's interesting, I've got two, I've published two books that both of them have a fair amount of personal development in it, the self-employed life, even more so the night, my next book, as I said, is a self-doubt. It's all personal development. It's like, I've seen myself as an author and a coach get braver (laughs) because in the beginning, wanting to be a business author, I got a lot of pushback from publishers, which is why I I self-published my first book because they don't want to deal with the personal development. I'm like, I'm not going to be that person that just puts out another business strategy book, right? So, and I'm fully aware of the self-employed life. It starts off with personal development and your hardcore high achiever might want to skip over that and go right to give me strategies, give me things to do. I got plenty of it, but I literally tell people in the beginning, it's like, please don't skip the opening. Right. Please don't skip the personal development because I don't want to be another one of those people just filling, overfilling the sack. So to me, the deserving ceiling, which in hindsight, I wish I gave it more attention in the book, but it's something I've seen develop even more. I think it's the biggest hang up for more people. Yeah. And it's just, if you actually get to the core of it, that how can you possibly expect to achieve more and receive more than what you think you deserve? You're going to keep shutting it down. If you, and I think we all have a deserving ceiling hanging over our head. And Kelly, I'll tell you, here's the clearest example I see of this on a, on a pretty ongoing basis. And I, I had to admit to it in my own life as well. Yeah. For any of us that have achieved some degree of success where we are today, which is far greater than where we come from, you have had to break through various deserving ceilings. I've seen that be one of the biggest stumble. I have seen very successful business owners producing high sales, supporting a good team and driving themselves into the ground financially. Like they never actually, they're doing creating a lot of business, but they themselves are not financially getting ahead. Why? Because they haven't broken through the deserving set. They're not, it's almost like survivor's guilt because of where they come from their original upbringing, their childhood trauma, it all comes back to that, Kelly. Always. (laughs) Where they come from, they haven't let go of that yet, right? So they keep bringing themselves back to that previous way of thinking. And that's what I mean by the deserving ceiling. Like you first, the first work I would tell anybody to do is to really step into, and don't kid yourself, but really step into believing you deserve more, that there's this tremendous amount of open capacity, you know, infinite thinking, Uh, I've done a phenomenal amount of work with a coach who had to help me see my, how my photographer's brain in this sense has worked against me Mm -hmm. because he's made me realize that the deserving ceiling, the upper limit, if you will, that I've created is because I see things in frames. Yes. You know, my photographer's brain see things boxed in a frame. So I'm a very specific goal setter. And the reason I started pursuing this work is I got curious in my own life. How is it I always hit my goals? Not much beyond them. And I'm, I'm such a hard worker. I hit my goal, but I started wondering what if I didn't have goals? 
What if there was the goals and more? So today, I never talk about money or goals or sales goals without adding and more at the end. Uh Like I want to achieve this amount of money in sales and more, right? I put and more at the end of any time I talk about money in order for my brain to register the deserving ceiling. Like I don't know what that ceiling is. It could be this. But I got really curious, like, how did I, how throughout my 40 year career have I always hit my goals? What if I didn't have goals? Could I have gone beyond? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Or what if you doubled, tripled, quadrupled your goals? You're, there's this very dynamic tension that happens, yeah. what you're talking about. And all of this is based on or informed by, I should say, the work of Gay Hendricks and you yeah. know, limiting. Um, I had the same exact conversation with my financial planner like three years ago. She was like, what is your revenue goal for, you know, by the end of this year? And I said the number and she was like, she laughed and she's like, you kind of hit that last year or you came within $10,000 of hitting that. Why would you limit yourself like that? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, I call it the goal paradox. Like I've done podcasts on this, calling it the goal paradox because Again, high achieving mindset. How do you not have goals? Like it's just the way our brains think. What, but in what ways have your goals worked against you? Right. So now I tend to look at, you know, I look at goals now as a direction. Like what's the direction I'm going in? I don't know what the, where the end of the road is. So I try to keep a very infinite mindset about it. Like, okay, here's the direction I'm going in, but I try not to cap it off mm-hmm. so that I'm constantly you know, expanding that deserving ceiling and, and really stepping into. And I think this is the beginning of the work before we get hard to work, right? Before we get working hard on our strategies, this is the work to do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, every day we need to be thinking about, and I, I, I suggest to my clients all the time, like have fun with it, right? How can you, I had a conversation with a coaching client yesterday about uh, what I refer to as my, an intention format, like, how you want to make significant change is to go from to not woo woo intentions, but what do you want to go from and what do you want to get to? And it's often a metaphorical representation of a bigger thing. And, and what we came to the conclusion from her is that she wanted to go from being in the corners to being center stage, right? Cause she feels like she's in a lot of ways, particularly as a mom and a woman, she's put herself in the corner, putting other people ahead of her. So, she wants to go from being in the corner to center of the stage. So I, I suggested her, I said, you know what? I said, I, just a question. When you go out to eat, where do you sit? And she laughed. She goes, oh my gosh, I almost always pick the corner table. And I'm saying, so start picking the center table. Oh, like, that's so fascinating. Right? Just start having fun with your awareness of how you want to expand your deserving ceiling. Like, you know, one of my other clients, she realized how restrained she holds her, you know, she's she's got a corporate job, but she re- keeps herself restrained, not, not to speak up too much, not to stand out too much. And so I just said to her, start wearing looser clothing. Like start, change your wardrobe, make it flowy. Like just stop, like don't wear tight bracelets, wear bangles, like just play with it. And these are ways on a daily basis we can be sending signals to ourselves to expand our deserving ceiling. And these are things you can do every day. And in doing that, you're expanding that deserving ceiling, making all the hard work that you can do, giving it a place to go, giving yourself room to grow and expand. Yeah. Oh God, Jeffrey, I love that so much. And by the way, all everything that you're talking about is personal development, is trauma healing and integration, right? They're all yeah. synonymous. This is, you know, because some people think about, oh, well, if I'm going to do, you know, trauma integration, I've got to do EMDR or I've got to go to the Amazon and do ayahuasca or I have to be in therapy. Like, yes, maybe to all of those things. And also where you sit in a restaurant, 
and yeah. like so simplistic, very playful. Yeah. I very think business things. business is personal development. In fact, I always say be, being in business for yourself is personal development on steroids. <laughs> I swear, Kelly, and it, it seems to me you'd agree with this. People think they go into business for all sorts of reasons. I truly think perhaps the number one reason people go into business is a craving for personal development that they, they may not even know they have. I know for certain. I mean, I, I had paralyzing shyness as a kid. The world was the scariest place in, uh, to me and, and I, extremely uncomfortable. Like I had no comfort zone. Like there was no place anywhere I was comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yet, about 14 years old, I really got a message that I had to take charge of my life because I felt completely unemployable. Who's going to employ this shy geek? I had no education. There was no promise of education where I grew up. My family didn't have any money for education. So I decided to take the bull by the horns and I figured, well, I'll be self-employed. So I started selling eggs door to door. Scariest thing imaginable, knocking on people's doors and like selling sure eggs make me want to vomit, right? Yeah. But I did it because I was growing and I got addicted to the growth. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I can use this business thing to like grow as a person. And who I am today isn't even recognizable from that shy kid, right? Because I went into business. I actually think a lot of us have a craving to go into business for very deep personal development reasons we may not even be in touch with initially. It may be to validate. It may be to prove something to ourselves. It may be something to prove something to our families. It's rarely for the money. The money is the wonderful side benefit, but I really believe it's personal development that drives people in business in the first place. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And the very interesting dichotomy about that is publishers, because we talked about this earlier, have railed against this idea that business leadership and self-help should be integrated. Right. They don't want to take a risk because they don't see how I shouldn't say all publishers. Mine took a risk, but it's a it's a cross category. Right. And to me, it's the most obvious cross category imaginable. And we keep them so separate because we would we would rather, you know, die than like work on us. You know, I've had my podcast. I don't know how long you've you've had your podcast for a while, but I've had mine for nine years. We've got almost 900 episodes. Right. It wasn't that long ago. I'm going to say three years ago, maybe four years ago now. It was just a few years ago that Apple Podcasts, then known as iTunes, added a podcast category called entrepreneurship. It was either business or self-help. And when I launched my podcast nine years ago, I sat there looking at those, my two choices, thinking, it's not either of these. Like, why isn't there another category? They decided to call it entrepreneurship. I'm like, okay, that's relatively close because entrepreneurship does require business and personal development. But literally, I was stumped when trying to keyword and choose the industry, the choices that they gave me, because I, I felt forced to choose between business and self-help. And I'm like, but it's both. Yeah. And it's interesting because you automatically saw personal development inside of the word entrepreneurship, I would venture to guess that 95% of people do not see that. And I think it's changed. I think the the term, and actually the first chapter of my book is I actually go through all the different terms, entrepreneurship, solopreneur, all the things business owners call themselves and have landed on, please start calling yourself self-employed because I make a really strong argument why it's not beneficial to call yourself any of the other things. And entrepreneurship, my concern about entrepreneurship today is that it has a little bit more of a hustle, less personal development vibe to it than it used to and can often imply like 
today it almost like where freelancer used to feel like, oh, okay, you're between jobs. Freelancer today is a really legitimate, you know, business model where I think entrepreneurship has a little bit more of the, oh, you're in between jobs. So it's been interesting to see how the terminology has changed. And my argument against solopreneur for those small percentage of your own audience that are solopreneurs and more, the reason I encourage another choice is because none of us are going to get to where we want to get to solo. And I don't want you saying to yourself, every time you call yourself a solopreneur, you're telling yourself you're in it alone. And I really don't want you saying that to yourself. (laughs) So that's my argument against solopreneurship, which is why I land on, can we start using the terminology self-employed more? Because it not only is it's a respectful term, it also describes our tax process. And it's incredibly important in legislation. Because as we saw in the, and you may or may not know this, but the PPP loans during COVID in the, the, the PPP loans was the first time in U.S. history, the words self-employed were in a piece of U.S. legislation. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Because every, I, I lived, you know, I've been through all the, the recessions and all that. And back in the day, the recessions, when there was financial aid available, you had to have a minimum of 20 employees to receive right. any government financial aid. And that's what I was most worried about when the, the pandemic came along was incredibly shocked and grateful that it literally singled out one person business owners. And that is the first time in US history. So like, you know what, we need to really own self-employed. And my my ultimate dream is, is that the SBA is broken up into the SBA, small businesses, which are quite big, and a department for the self-employed. I think we need a separate department. Uh, And I think we'll get there. I think it will happen. Well, that's a wonderful vision. And for the percentage of people who are in the audience who fall into that category, I think uh, they would love that as well. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait to have you back on. I look forward to it. Let's talk about self-doubt in a couple of years. Self-doubt. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. If you liked this episode, please rate the show or subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a big thank you to the official sponsor of Thrive for this year, E2M Solutions, your white label agency partner. Learn more about their approach, services, and subscription plans at e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive.